Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. You're listening to the Circe Podcast Network. I'm Joshua Gibbs, and this is Proverbial, the podcast where we explore the wisdom of the ages as it comes to us in Proverbs, by which I mean wise sayings a man may live by if he's not so arrogant as to think himself special. Episode 116, No Excuses. Today's proverb is unattributed, though I believe it's English. I'll read it twice. A bad workman blames his tools. Once more, a bad workman blames his tools. If you're anything like me, when you hear this, the first thing that comes to mind is a workman like a plumber, or a carpenter, or a baker. Someone for whom tools are essential. Uh, A line of work that might be iconically represented by a tool. If I was uh, coming up with an icon of plumbers, it might be a wrench. A wrench, the tool, a wrench, might be the way that I communicated a plumber. A carpenter, icon of the carpenter, the hammer. There are some jobs that are more connected with their tools than others. And yet this is a proverb. It's about human nature. It's about everybody. It's not just about plumbers and carpenters. This is a proverb about teachers. It's a proverb about administrators, senators, lawyers, and bakers, plumbers too. It's about homemakers. It's about homeschoolers. It's about anyone who is undertaking a project. There is no project 
that's undertaken without some sort of tool. Not a hammer, not a wrench, but a tool nonetheless. A bad workman blames his tools. A bad workman does not do his work, or he doesn't finish his work, or he finishes it, and he doesn't do a good job. A bad workman doesn't do his work, doesn't finish, or doesn't do a good job, and he insists that he cannot do his work or do it well, given the miserable state of his tools. I could do better if I had a better wrench. I could do better if I had a better oven, if I had better flour, if I had a bigger hull, I could make it beautiful. A bad workman insists that the reason his work isn't good is merely material. With an adjustment uh, of my income, of my finances, with a little luck, then I could do well. But until I have uh, some turn of fortune, I'm just going to be stuck doing a miserable job. Now, it's worth admitting that a bad workman may, in fact, have bad tools. That's not unbelievable. His tools may be cheap. They may be in disrepair. If he had a choice, he might choose uh, different tools. It's not merely the quality of the ones that he has, but he would take different tools if he could. And he insists that he can't do a good job until there's a turn of fortune. And he somehow gets these tools. A bad workman may have bad tools, but he also may not. And I think there's two ways of looking at this proverb. There's the bad workman who has good tools but claims he needs better tools anyway. Or the bad workman may have bad tools. Sometimes good workmen end up with bad tools. The quality of your tools depends a bit on luck. Sometimes a good workman breaks his tools in the middle uh, of a project, and he has to figure out some way around the problem. Perhaps the tools can be fixed, they can be repaired, they can be refined, but maybe not. Maybe a workman is stuck with bad tools. If a bad workman figures out he has bad tools, he's not actually that bad of a workman. I think this, I think this is sort of the linchpin of this proverb. If a bad workman figures out he has bad tools, He's not as bad of a workman as anyone says he is. Because if you know that the tools are bad, and they are actually bad, it means you know how to identify good tools. And if you know how good tools work, you can normally figure out how to get the bad tools to work better than they do. And I don't mean that you can turn bad tools into good ones just by thinking about them. But I do mean that if you understand what good tools are and you know that you have bad tools, there's often a way around the badness of the tool. If a decent teacher 
with bad tools, so to speak, does his job as best he can, he can often earn his way into slightly better tools. I think this is true uh, of teachers. I think it's true of bakers. I think it's true of plumbers. If you're stuck with bad tools and you do everything you can to make the best of them, it's often the case that someone will recognize that and ensure that you get better tools. Especially if you don't constantly blame the tools. So think about this so far as a teacher is concerned. Like a bad teacher blames his tools. A bad teacher blames his students. A bad teacher blames his school. A bad teacher blames his curriculum. A bad teacher says, well, I could do my job better if I just had better students. If my students weren't addicted to screens, maybe I could teach them virtue. If they weren't sports junkies who watch football all weekend, maybe I could teach them virtue. If they weren't enamored with these banal, vapid Instagram influencers, I could teach them virtue. If I had a better curriculum, I could teach them virtue. Or if I had more class time, I could teach them virtue. I've even heard this one. If my classroom had more natural light, I could better teach my students. A bad teacher goes on and on about facilities, about parents, about admin, about every little thing. And what all of it ultimately boils down to is the bad teacher says, if my students were wise, I could teach them to be wise. If my students were good, I could teach them to be good. A bad teacher wants his students to come preloaded with all the qualities, with all the virtues that good teachers are trying to give their students. Now, I'm not saying that students should be able to live however they want and make the most of school. That's not true. But the key word in this proverb is blame. A bad workman blames his tools. A good workman acknowledges the state of his tools. A good workman knows if his tools are good or bad. But the word blames is crucial. The bad workman blames his tools. Because, number one, he thinks more highly of himself than he ought. He believes that he has skills that are appropriate to good tools, which is a dubious claim, often enough. But the bad workman is also full of promises. The bad workman blames the tools. He doesn't blame himself. And I think a good teacher might in his heart, acknowledge bad tools. But it's really remarkable what people can accomplish if they begin by blaming themselves. It's amazing what a 
a good teacher can do if his lack of results, if he takes personally his lack of results. Taking responsibility for things, taking responsibility for the things in front of you almost has a magical-like power. Taking responsibility for things is almost its own like mythic, magical, miraculous, saintly sort of power. The sort of people that make history are people who take responsibility. History is kind of a study of people who took responsibility and blamed themselves. It's not always the case that blaming yourself is justified. But blaming yourself is a great start, even if blaming yourself is not entirely accurate, even if you're only partially responsible, even if you're only slightly responsible. Treating yourself as fully responsible is a great start to any meaningful sort of reformation. There's a lot of honestly lame movies about teaching that actually get this point right. I mean garbage like Dangerous Minds or Dead Poet Society. More Dangerous Minds than Dead Poet Society. If you haven't seen either of these movies, they're not worth your time. But Dangerous Minds is about a woman who's given a wild, rambunctious, disobedient class. And she decides to take responsibility for them. And it seems as though, up until the point she enters this school, that no one's ever, none of the teachers have really ever taken responsibility for their students. Dangerous Minds set in this um, a sort of dicey school where crime seems very common, uh, low-income Students, students that are involved in uh, gangs. And, and it seems like up until the point that, you know, the plot of the movie begins, that, that these students have always been sort of dismissed by their teachers. The teachers have said, I can't teach them anything. I can't teach these students anything. Their lives are too difficult. They're too caught up in the world outside the school. They have more material concerns than learning English literature. Uh, But the movie sort of hinges on this woman who, when put into this absolutely uh, difficult, uh, impossible situation, impossible according to most people, uh, decides to take responsibility for the class. And she refuses to say, well, I can't work with this class. I can't work with these kids. A bad workman blames his tools is a proverb about taking responsibility for what's in front of you. Even if what's in front of you isn't your fault, isn't to your taste, isn't to your specifications. A bad workman blames his tools is a proverb about taking responsibility for what's in front of you, even when what's in front of you works against you, fights you, resists you. There are people 
who weasel their way into careers and then refuse to take responsibility for anything ever again. Like so far as teaching is concerned, there's a sort of equivalent in the world of teaching, probably in the world of everything, especially politics comes to mind. That there are like workmen who fix three sinks and then never fix anything again. There are bad workmen who make careers out of blaming their tools. There are workmen who have not even really attempted to fix anything in forever as a sort of protest against the mediocrity of their tools. Going back to an earlier point, though, I think we've all seen someone who was making the best out of bad tools. Right? And these people are luminous. We're, we're so impressed when we find these people. I, I mean, there, there are people who have small, dumpy little apartments and do everything they can to make them look nice. We've all seen these people. We've all seen ugly people that dress in a more dignified and respectable manner than beautiful people. I've seen broke teenagers learn to play cheap guitars like Segovia. And because they love their guitars, because they love music, the cheapness isn't, isn't problematic. If you learn to play a cheap guitar like Segovia, someone's going to get you a decent guitar eventually. You will not be stuck with a cheap guitar your entire life if you learn how to play a cheap guitar well. We've all seen people who can make a delicious dinner on a shoestring budget. In other words, there are people who know how to leverage what they have, no matter how small it is. And they know how to leverage it into something larger. Not much larger, but a little larger. There are people who are constantly turning back to what they've got, what they have on hand. There are people that are constantly taking inventories of what they can do, what they know, what they possess. And they're combining what they know, what they can do, and what they have into something a little bit further along than what they presently have. They're, they're working it. They're turning it over until they figure out a better way of presenting it and just ratcheting up their place in the world just a little bit. Case in point, experienced teachers know that, generally speaking, giving students an extension on an assignment isn't going to ensure higher quality of work. Most teachers who give students extensions are thinking, this is going to get students off my back. They're complaining about their level of homework. The quality of work isn't going to be any better. A good student makes the most of the time that they have, just like a good teacher makes the most of the time that they have. Bad teachers are always complaining about how little time they had. Oh, didn't have enough time. Only had three hours this week. Only had four hours this week. Can't get anything done. Man, make it happen. 
You've got more than other people do. Quit blaming how little time you have and make the most of what you've got. If you take responsibility for how little time you have, you will make more of your time than you already are. You will get more out of it than you already are. We've all seen bad workmen who through dumb luck end up with amazing tools and their work is still lousy. And they're still blaming their tools. There are rich people who buy Powerball tickets. And there are poor people who would never waste their money on something so stupid. In a way, this is a bad workman blames his tools. This is just the parable of the talents. The steward who only gets one talent blames the talent. He blames the Lord who gave it to him. If you'd only given me more. No. If I'd only given you more, I only would have wasted more. Let me see you try with a little bit. Prove to me. Prove to me that you're worthy of getting more. There are people with no talents that are dying for something to work with. If the Lord only gives you one talent, he still expects you to leverage it into something greater. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.